It is a rare Tuesday night edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, as always. Uh, as I'm one of your hosts, joined by oh, yeah, bollocks that up. Um, I am one of your hosts. My name is Barry. I am joined by Joe Towner. Hello, Barry. I am also joined by Paul McClunky. What's that? Oh. That's the new I'm seeing word. I didn't understand it. Okay. Um, so, Disney Plus today come out, right? Okay. And Star Wars is on it because Disney owns Star Wars and, every- sure, sure, and everything sure, sure, else. Sure. sure, sure, sure. So, the Star Wars, A New Hope, as people in the biz know it, uh, is up there. With a new edit to it, God. in the Han shoots Greedo scene, and before Han shoots Greedo, Greedo, in a completely different voice, now goes, McClunky! <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, Jesus I mean, I don't know. This could be a huge hoax that we're all falling for. But, uh... I think they did this just for publicity to get people to I mean, the conspiracy theorist inside of me. I need to get him out. There shouldn't be a human being in a shadow of my body. But no, uh, This is what happens if you get vaccinated, Paul. <laughs> I need the injection up the... Whoop. Um, but that's what McClunky is. I also have a joke. Are you ready to hear it, guys? Uh, oh, no, hang on, hang on. Yeah, right. I got a joke, right? Feel free to use this yourselves. This is my joke, but it's my gift to the world. So it's a public domain joke, right? So make sure you're a fucking listener. Make sure you're sitting down for this one, right? <clears throat> so I see that they brought out the trailer for Sonic and they, you know, uh, people seem to like it. But I thought that they were going to fix it. But Jim Carrey is still in there. Ah, da, ah, da, ah. <laughs> oh, absolutely got him! Absolutely got him! Burned. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I thought they were going to take out that hideous monstrosity. <laughs> Speaking of vaccinations, <laughs> uh, I assume he's in this because there's no guns in it. Robotnik uses rockets. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can't wait for it to be released and him to just turn his back on the whole thing. And I'm actually against uh, uh, sucking animals into machines and turning them into robots. <laughs> oh, he's certainly not against making bad movies. That's <laughs> can't even remember the last good one he was in. To be honest, probably Batman Forever. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I've seen. I saw Kick-Ass 2, and that was rubbish. And I saw, yep, I saw yep. Dumb and Dumber 2 twice, and that was rubbish. Although the second time, it was kind of funny in its rubbishness. And I don't think he's made a movie before then. I think there was only two movies, so yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Bad. Um, anyway. We'll have later obviously not Jim Carrey none of us are doing a Jim Carrey rewatch although I might do that because Jim Carrey here's a trivia about me Jim Carrey was genuinely my first favourite actor when I was a kid I 
loved Jim Carrey. I loved him as the Riddler. I loved The Mask. I loved Dumb and Dumber. Um, Ace Ventura. Yeah. Ace Ventura, of course. As I got older, I did appreciate things like uh, The Truman Show and things like that. Um, and, you know, as I got older again, his movies got shitter and shitter. So I kind of fell out. But Jim Carrey was like, he was my earliest memory of having a favorite actor. It was Jim Carrey. Mm. Um, so maybe I'll go back and revisit some of that stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, we won't be doing that this week. Instead, we're going to have a little chat about life guff. As mentioned, this is a rare Tuesday edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. Uh, everything's up in a heap lately. We're all very busy. It is that time of year where things start getting crazy. I mean, I honestly don't know what my schedule is going to be like uh, for the next weeks. I think I will be around this coming Sunday, which is good. Um, uh, although this this week does kick off my my Christmas. Uh, uh, plans. I'm taking the old mammy to uh, the Christmas markets in Galway, um, which are just just starting up this weekend, which are a big, massive, massive, massive Christmas market. I'm sure it's going to be a wash with tourists and outsiders like myself, which will annoy me because I I think I'm special and I should be the only one who's allowed to go to these things. Any any, uh, higher than average foot traffic irritates me and should be banned. but yes, we'll go up and we'll do some Christmas shopping and most likely have an overpriced hot chocolate while we walk the streets. Ooh, to us. But I will be home in time to do this glorious show. Uh, but after that, we've got all kinds of things going on. I'm going to uh, the Revolution Pro Wrestling in London, baby, uh, the week after. Hey, I don't think I don't think that to the two of you, actually. Joe, if you want to pop along, I'll be there. Uh, Hopefully a ref doesn't get the shit kicked out of him this time. Yeah, hopefully hopefully there's no um, uh, assaults happening. Uh, Joe, that is Sunday the 25th, or whatever that Sunday is, 25th, 24th. 24th, uh, Rev Pro D. So, I... my desire to go to RevPro was never lower following that whole ref thing. Not only that, but because the show was supposed to be shit. And they somehow found a way to make a terrible, a David Starr, we lost my match terrible. But this, I think, they, I think they're think they going to have their work and choose on to try and clean up their rep a little bit. And this is a, a one-night tournament. So uh, it's the British J Cup. Uh, amazing right. Red will be there. Uh you know he's on his retirement tour, so that'll be a rare, uh, a rare chance to see him. El Fantasmo, Barbario, Barbario Cav- uh, Cavanario, rather from Mexico. Um, tons of like a really, really great roster. Rocky Romero will be there, uh, and, and I'll even get to check a, a, a female wrestler off the old uh, to see this because Tessa Blanchard is going to be there, um, which is cool. So I'm really excited about that. Yes, yeah, Joe, come along. You know, you and the missus come, come to come to York Hall. Ooh, I'd love to, but uh, we're going to be in Los Angeles, California. Oh, Los Angeles! Rubbing elbows with the Hollywood! Oh, Joe's going to PWG that weekend. Yep. Yeah, I have a lot coming up as well, but I don't think we're doing anything on any Sundays. Um, we have Ghost next week in the Three Arena. Oh, hey. oh hell yeah. Then we've got to go to a little arena in Tala to see a little man called Rin Narita wrestle at OTT and then we go to another concert for a band called Poets of the Fall in Ooh. December so yeah lots of shit happening good lord yeah that um, that, was, that was an out of left field announcement <laughs> the uh, November November 30th OTT show Just, uh, New Japan lads back in the mix again 
They they keep you get so they do. You know the best thing about it is that they spelled his name Ren Nartia, which I don't believe is his name. No, it is not. You watched the uh, you watched the Super Juniors this year, didn't you? Or some of it? Or is it? Maybe it is Ren Nartia. Uh, I watched. No, I didn't watch that. No, no. Oh, he didn't watch it. Well, he was he was a last minute addition, and he's great. I mean, he is fantastic. Yeah, uh, he's. I mean, I think he's still in his young boy phase. He just comes out in his black trunks and just yeah, has mad. He comes out in his black trunks and does half crabs. Yes, and the like. Well, my God, he's good. I mean, he's that's at him and Scotty. That's a cracking little match. That is a crack. I'm I'm not going to be at that show. I'm I'm increasingly raging about it. Yeah. And Ray Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., and Ray Orson against more than hype. Finally, the big stars That's come it. in and work the Irish boys. There you go. It's finally happening. Um, That's gonna be fun. Uh, I think that I think they're trying to get into the habit of like making the more than hype six man a thing. Like get people yeah. excited. For the idea of them having a crazy moves match. Uh, I did see. That team of Lucha Bros and Ray Horace have just one of my favorite matches of the year in Germany against Schadenfreude. Just bonkers. Just absolutely bonkers. And you know, for a fact, that when Pentagon Jr., for the very first time in Ireland, when he does the thing where he takes off the glove and he throws the glove at the referee, everyone will go very, very bad. Um, so I'm slightly raging I won't be there for that. Uh, but uh, you, you, you will have a, a splendid time and report back here. I will. But yeah, it's good. You know, it's it's hectic because it's like, oh, how am I going to fit everything in? And oh my god, how am I going to afford everything? But uh, this is the the fun time of year where you got to meet up with everyone and go on your little trips, and do all your shopping. It's a good kind of busy, so that's good. But in the meantime, lads, before we get too bogged down in Christmas chit chat, mm. uh, does anyone have any other life guff they wanted to chat about before we jump into our our other our other bits and pieces? Um, I do. Um... So as as this as we know, uh, we moved to a new house a couple of weeks ago. Hey, before, um, settled in for the most part. We decided to buy a new sofa, as as you do, you know, a new place. Um, we had previously quite a uh, not that comfortable, cheapest one they had in IKEA uh, that I bought two years ago. When we moved into the flat, so we decided to move that into the spare room and get ourselves a lovely new sofa. So that's. That's survived. It's very, very nice. Um, unfortunately, it did mean carrying a lot of things around because we had to clear out the front room to make space to get it in and then move a lot of stuff about, uh, which has now resulted in me having a chronic pain in my back um, after lots of uh, moving furniture over the last few weeks and dismantling things and putting things back together and carrying boxes and this and that and that. So, uh, yeah, I'm suffering a bit. I'm, I'm like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14. I'm just about getting through the day of this uh, suffering with his back. Yeah. But, you know, I'll still, I will put Stone Cold over. If, if <laughs> and, Joe, if you don't, I'll be outside with my wrists taped. Taping, taped. <laughs> taping, taping your wrists. And my fists. What are you going to do? Wipe me off. I'm going to have them ankles taped up. <laughs> <laughs> oh god Undertaker stand there I got my wanking hand ready Sean yeah so that's, that's been about it that's the exciting thing and the, the good news and the bad news you know every cloud silver lining mm. Mm. how about you Paul uh, well, we have fortunately have a, a very sick guinea pig in the house. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, Guinea's not very well. She was at the... Uh, she was at the vet, because Guinea is the one that famously has uh, diabetes. So we give her medicine uh, every, mm. every day, pretty much, to keep her going. And she went to the vet for her kind of regular checkup thing. And she very, very sick. Um, nope. Four years old now. So they're, they're old enough, these pigs. But she's, she's just kind of sitting around. She's been very quiet. Um, she still come out for her vegetables and that. And nibble that all up. But yeah, it's not looking good at the moment. Frau Guinea. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the only news for us, uh, really. So we've we've moved the guinea pigs back into our bedroom just so we can kind of keep an eye on her and give her mm. her little medicine here and there. Um, check in on her, make sure she's doing okay. But yeah, like right now, the other two are at one end of the cage nibbling on cucumber bits. And she's just kind of sitting under this cover we've put in kind of resting but yeah sorry to bring the the tone of the show down a bit but that's kind of the only notable thing that's happened for us lately um i've been sick a little bit in the meanwhile but i'm kind of okay now just because of the weather and that bit of a cough Mm -hmm. yeah it's shitty shitty. oh my god today was so so cold jesus i could barely even type on my phone my poor little fingers um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, we started buying some Christmas presents already. Because I kind of want to be out in front of that. Um, just have a few bit, few more bits and pieces to pick up. Uh, I tell you what, I think this week was the earliest I've ever got, and I quote, trademark, that Christmassy feeling. Because oh. I think it was like the day after Halloween. So maybe I should have talked about this last week. But I was sitting in the parents' house and the Christmas ad come on the TV and I got, oh, I can't wait for Christmas. Oh, Christmas deadly. And I got that little... <laughs> well, what was it an ad for? I don't fucking remember. Dunn stores or some shit. You said the Christmas ad came on. What, the government saying, hey, everyone, it's Christmas. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> ah, brilliant. Can't wait for Christmas. Christmas is the best. Best time of the year. Most wonderful time of the year, some say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's it. That is it. Alrighty, I think that's the the life golf for this week. Uh, what about telly golf? I've not watched any. I've not watched or, or played much at all this week, so I might be. Keep, I'll be keeping it quiet during this golf segment. The two boys can can have a chit chat. Uh, who watched what on telly this week? Go ahead, Joe. Um, did I put something down? Oh yeah. Um, so we watched a new new series on BBC and HBO, His Dark Materials, um, which I did a movie of it before, um, based off the Philip Pullman books. Yeah, it was with. Um, was Daniel Craig in it? Daniel Craig was in it. Yeah. Was Nicole Kidman in it? I might be making that up. I don't know. Anyway, someone else was probably in it, other than Daniel Craig. Um, so I watched the first one, didn't really know what was going on, but thought, oh, I'll well, stick with it. Uh, watched the second one. Uh, it's basically this little girl going around with, like, a rat thing um, that's a, like, spirit animal. Um, and then her uncle is James McAvoy. Uh, 
Uh, that's that's about it. So I just sort of switched that off after about half an hour. <laughs> B- boring shit. Um, God. Yeah, I just not not for me. I didn't know what was going on or cared. It was like watching Raw. Oh wow! It's funny because Tom. No, no, Tom no, Hooper, no, I don't mean that. I take that back. I take that back. Tom Hooper Talked directed the first Raw. two episodes, according to Wikipedia. <sighs> I tell you, I what. think it's just the world, the world of the just the books, the uh, show. I'm just not that interested in. I'll tell you what. I tried when I was younger to read those books. Mm. I couldn't even get through Northern Lights. I thought it was, <laughs> and to quote you, boring shite. <laughs> yeah. I got like I, maybe a third of the way through the book and I was like, oh, this is not for me at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there must be something. They're, they're very popular books. They are, yeah. Very popular, but I, I, oh, I, don't, I don't really get it. Yeah, Nicole Kidman uh, was in the film, funnily enough. Oh, she was, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's unfortunate. We'll give that a miss, so. Mm. Uh, I've watched a few things, which again is unusual for me. Uh, continued watching Inside Number Nine. I'm, oh yeah, I'm about halfway through season two. Very much enjoying it. Uh, in in particular, uh, the twelve days of I don't remember the name of the character. Uh, Shaw Christine. Twelve days of Christine. Yeah, just. Just excellent television. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's. I think that's probably the best episode I've seen so far. Really, really well written and well acted drama. Like, oh, great. Um, so really enjoying that. Um, I'm yet to kind of hit an episode that I really haven't enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I, I think every episode so far. Like again, I must be about eight, nine episodes in. Every episode I've watched, I've enjoyed to some level, from yeah. you know good to excellent. Like there's maybe Twelve Days Christine is probably the only episode so far that's been like truly excellent. But mm. I think um, more than half of them are like very good. So yeah. I don't even think so far that it's you know so much hit and miss. It's some are good and some are very good. So you're you're always going to get at least a good episode. Uh, I also started watching HBO's Watchmen. Oh. Um, which is, of course, a follow-up to the comic book, which I've read. One of the very few comic books that I've actually sat down and read, uh, which I enjoy thoroughly. And it's it's quite good. I've only watched the first two episodes. I think there's four out now, so I'm not quite caught up, but uh, the first two episodes were very good, very interesting, very intriguing. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel like the book or even like the horrible Zack Snyder film. Uh, mm. It's it's kind of a more modern take. It definitely feels like a, a slick modern TV show rather than a, a gritty uh, tone that the comic book has, for example. But uh, mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's it's in that world, and it's definitely a very kind of interesting modern take on it. And uh, I think I think there's only nine episodes in this season, so once it's once it's finished, it'll be probably a quick uh, 
a quick binge watch, but I'm pretty pretty much uh, enjoying it so far. So might be worth a watch. Again, only two episodes in, so it's hard to tell, but the direction they're going is very, very interesting. And you say it's, it's uh, worth reading the, the book to, to get it? Uh, I, I would say so, yeah. Okay. But I would also I say that it would be worth reading the book and not even watching the series because, okay. because it's that good. Like, Yeah, I've put it off for too long. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you could probably pick it up in Easton's or whatever for... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially around Christmas. Less than a tenner, probably. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the season wouldn't... I mean, I, I think you could watch it not having read the, the comic and catch up pretty quickly, but I think there are characters in it and even even this the the tone of the story following up from what's come before would, would make more sense if you've read it. Yeah. Um so that's all. Oh, and I watched um I watched two episodes of South Park as well. Um they weren't particularly good. <laughs> it's a shame because South Park was really good for a while there and it's kind of it's kind of slipped again a little bit. So I uh, I don't know. I I I I always like having a cartoon in amongst the TV shows I watch, like a 20-minute Fox cartoon or Comedy Central cartoon. So, I mean, Rick and Morty is back now, so we'll see how that goes, but uh, South, Park, South Park was good for a while. Now it's kind of dip, dipped in quality again, which is which is quite a shame. But that's all the TV. Joe, you've already ran through yours. What about Paul? The video games you've been playing this week? Oh, lots of video games, baby. Okay, so completed Link's Awakening. Done. Fantastic game. Loved it. Really, really great. Of course. Not not quite as difficult as I, as I was expecting because I think those two D Zelda games can sometimes be quite hard. Um. One dungeon in particular in it was very difficult, but aside from that one dungeon, it, it was a pretty easy game. Um, but, but super, super interesting. I love the setting of it on this weird, mysterious island. Um, the quality of life improvements from, the, obviously, the 93 Game Boy original make it very easy to play. It's very, although it's a remake, it has a very modern sensibility about it. And it's just a lot of fun, and it looks great. Those the art style is so good. Um, but I finished it. Quite an easy final boss, which again was a little bit disappointing. But uh, definitely worth a play if people uh, haven't played it before on the Switch. <laughs> I then completed Untitled Goose Game. Done with that as well. Also a very fun game. I kind of oh. wish, though, if I was to have one criticism about goose game i wish the controls weren't quite so finicky yeah it's a little bit of a finicky game to control but it's a little rinky dink indie game so i'll be fair to it it's definitely a very funny game and i really really enjoyed it um i picked up undertale again because i i had started it but not finished it so i'm playing that again for the time being i'd say i'm probably about two hours into it and it's not a very long game anyway, so that's what I'm playing at the moment. Um, I'm also playing... I never, hey? Curious what you make. I never finished it. Yeah, well, I started it, and I just think I wasn't kind of in the the right mood for it, and so I just kind of drifted off to something else. 
But now that I've picked it up again, I'm kind of more into it. Um, you know, I've enjoyed it. I, li- I like the tone of it. I think I, I'm generally kind of turned off by 8-bit style games or like NES games. To me, that's just too far back. Um, yeah, I get you. But uh, but I am, I am enjoying it. I'm also playing a game on Apple Arcade called uh, Grindstone, which mm. is a like puzzle RPG. Um, in the sense of it, 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 it's basically one of your like connect the colors block puzzle games. But like you're you're defeating enemies. And every time you make a move, more and more of the enemies, which are the colored blocks, become, like, enraged. And if you land next to one of them, they'll attack you. And you have, like, three hearts. And you have power-ups and stuff that you can, you know, buy from the shop and stuff. Um, and that's quite addictive and quite fun as well. Not quite as fun as uh, What the Golf, which is still, like, my favorite game of the year. But I've downloaded a couple um, of Apple Arcade games. And... I'll give them a whirl because, as I think I might have said in the podcast before, um, Justin Davis of IGN keeps a list of like the best Apple Arcade games. So I'm kind of going off his recommendations and trying some of what are the best games on Apple Arcade and uh, enjoying that a lot too. And uh, myself and Netty, who's next to me here, also pre-ordered the new Pokemon games, Sword and Shield, which come out on Friday. So, lots of games this week. It's it, it's good as as games transition into this uh, streaming uh, model more and more. It's good to have those resources where it's like here's a person tracking what's on and not on the service, what's worth playing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, otherwise it's just this huge sea of, of trash. content. Like, how do you know? Yeah. So it's good yeah. to have. I mean, I don't even expect that that this guy hasn't necessarily even played the best games, but he's he, I'm going just off what he's played and what he says is good and not good. That's good enough for me. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting. There is a, a Google equivalent coming. I'm still waiting for them to properly roll that out. I am. Yeah. I would be interested in at least a few months of that. Um, so I, I like playing games on my phone. I, don't, I, haven't, I feel like I haven't done it in a while, but um, nothing, nothing's properly taken my fancy. Uh, wait, it, Stadia is out soon, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember when that thing was announced. I honestly was considering getting that like hundred and fifty quid bundle um, with the controller and a Chromecast Ultra because I was like, and it, like I think it's like a year of premium and uh, uh, like you could gift a few months to people. Like I was like, eh, that's reasonable enough. And if the service is shit and it dies or whatever, I'm like, eh, it's like a hundred quid. It's not that steep an investment. But now, as it's approached, as as more and more details have come out of it, have come out about it, I am increasingly confident it's not going to last, and that wouldn't have been worth the money. And I, I yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm missing out on that. It just seems like it's not ready. But uh, yeah, I'll still be just, curious. It, to it just seems like it. the the noise about it has kind of died down, especially in these like critical yeah, months they, coming up to release. Yeah, like they've really they haven't hammered it home as as release approaches. I feel like yeah, they've stopped showing it, and every story that's come out has been fairly negative. I mean, there's been lots of stuff about the controller won't be Wi-Fi at launch, which is bizarre. Um, the big turnoff for me was that paying for the premium service doesn't get you very many new release games for free. You still have to pay 
60 quid for your cyberpunk or whatever. And I'm just like, all right, I, I don't know what I'm getting out of this other than the novelty of it being a streaming service. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I'm still very curious for, for the reviews for that. Hit. Just, just because of the, um, you know, this, this age we're entering of, uh, uh, of, of, uh, streaming services for games. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't play anything majorly new myself. Uh, I picked back up Control after a few weeks off. Mm. Uh, that game's fun. I, I, I picked it up after not playing it for a while. I put two hours in, uh, kind of ran through like a boss that I was stuck on, got a new power. Uh, it's great. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know why I fell off it for so long, but it's really, really great. Uh, so I'm kind of back and forth between that and the Outer Worlds now. Uh, Outer Worlds is good. It's one of those games I still haven't left the first planet. It's one of those things where I'm I'm enjoying it so much. I'm doing all the side stuff, which is always a good sign. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm getting everything checked off before I I I've, I'm still at the first big story choice, your big Fallout moment to pick this or that, um, and I haven't made that decision yet because I know I'll piss off fifty percent of people on the map. So I'm I'm doing all my missions before then so that's always good but um but yeah uh not, not a whole lot else on the game front for myself uh, what about the old movie golf i have not seen anything new this week i watched half of mars attacks on netflix and then i fell asleep um <laughs> the movie's not, that movie's not great uh it's you know what it is it's just I think it's kind of charming and it's capping. It's not really that funny. That's the thing. And it's really, it's a straight up comedy. Like it's just, it's just, I think it's fine. And I'm just waiting for the really big laughs to come and they never do. Uh, and yeah, I fell asleep. What an absolutely mad cast. One of the most loaded casts of a forgettable film um, uh, ever. It's like, you know, Pierce Brosnan, Jack Nicholson, Jack Black, Natalie Portman, Sarah Jessica Parker. Tom Jones. Uh, just t- Tom Jones. Uh, it's for whizzing by. I was like, "What? What? I don't remember this." Uh, we mentioned earlier the uh, uh, you know doing watch. I between that and the shining recently, I was thinking of uh, much like uh, Joe did with Tom Hanks. I was like, "I bet a Jack Nicholson rewatch would be really great." There's a man. There's a man with some depth in his library. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Mars Attacks not up to much. But there you go. No no Christmas movies this week either. Uh, uh, what about you, boys? Uh, uh, what? Oh, sorry, go on, Paul. My turn. Uh, mm. I saw Doctor Sleep in the cinema this week. Oh, very good. The follow-up to The Shining. Um, so, get it out of the way right away. Uh, I didn't care for it much. Ooh. Um, and let me let me explain why. Okay. I think it's a very well-directed movie. Um, I think a lot of what I didn't enjoy about it is more kind of to do with Stephen King and it being his story. Um, like, I, I had I had a few problems with it. Like, I would say around halfway through, I was kind of going back and forth on it. Like, there was definitely bits about it that I liked, and I like especially that there are some kind of special again i i hate to go back all the time to uh get out but like the sunken room and get out just that Mm -hmm. kind of little flourish that a good director can give to a movie to kind of make it stand out i think this definitely has that i think flanagan is a is a very very capable horror director 
and he definitely yeah. has kind of a, a, a very tight grip on what modern horror, good modern horror should be. And I think he was the perfect director for this, and it was realistically as good as it was going to be with him at the helm. Um, which I mean is a compliment, right? Um, it's it's definitely very Stephen Kingy, um, and not very Kubricky, which was my expectation anyway. Yeah, but, I, I yeah, that, it feels. I feel this is why I, when I when I watched it, I was like, he, he should just be Stephen King's go to guy. I think I think they yeah, I think he I think gets that. I think he gets that material a lot better than Kubrick, who I don't, who I don't even think really kind of like attempted to get it. He was just like, I'm making my own thing. Um, yeah, and I mean, ultimately, his own thing was the the, the best <laughs> version, way better than any other adaptation of Stephen King, and way better than most other stuff in the genre, definitely. But I, I think this movie kind of wanted to have its cake and eat it as well, mm. um, because there's so much references to The Shining in it. Um, I I thought the I thought the screenplay was was pretty poor, which is which was weird because that's also Flanagan who did the screenplay. Like, yeah, like I had I I I, re- I realized about an hour forty five in it that I like at no point during the movie had I felt like tension or horror yeah. or it's just kind of a. I mean, I I know. Um, Mark Kermode referred to it, and actually he meant this as a compliment. He referred to it as like a Twilight-style vampire superhero movie. And I can kind of see that. And that's kind of not what I wanted from a a, a sequel to The Shining. And Again, going in with the expectations of it not being Kubrick-esque and being a Stephen King story. And I think on the level of it being a Stephen King story, I think it, it, it works, right? But as I say, with with the screenplay, there was like too many little like cutesy quips and like I, I know there was more than than this one example I'm going to use, but there's one bit in the movie where um one character goes like, "You know what? It's your arrogance, the arrogance of thinking you're immortal, so you're not wearing your seatbelt." I was like, "That's such a fucking stupid line to have in this like horror movie." And again, my mind goes back to I mean. The Shining, which has like just such an excellent subtle screenplay, where this yeah. this definitely felt like a, a superhero film. Also, in that sense, where it was like almost as if it was written. I know it's written by Mike Flanagan, but it felt like it was written by someone who had written Ant Man or something because it had that okay. same style. John Favreau or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I kind of there was there was too many little moments like that. And I just was like, oh, I don't want this movie to be like this. And I, I, I actually didn't mind the, the girl's performance. I forget. I don't know the, the actress's name, but the the lead. But I, I think that I think that the the dialogue did a disservice to her performance because she always came off as too cutesy and too hokey for a film that is the sequel to The Shining. Um, I thought Ewan McGregor was good in it. Mm. Uh, I hated the final act. Like, yeah, I, I thought you might. Yeah, I think a lot of people will actually. Um, yeah, I, I really, really didn't like the final act. Um, and I actually did like most of the nods to The Shining. I liked. It, it's not even that it's like referential. That's fine, but just the direction it went as its own story, I just found like really dissatisfying. Um. And I thought I thought Rebecca Ferguson was good in it. She, I, 
<laughs> it was quite funny though. Every time she was shown in silhouette, I I was like, that looks exactly like the Babadook, with her little hat and everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, given that at about halfway through, I was kind of going back and forth, going like, okay, look, it's it's its own thing. It's a Stephen King story. Just watch it as a Stephen King adaptation. Even with that mindset, I still found the last like forty five minutes like just really poor. And that's the big shame of all because, as I say, it's a competent, it's a competently made movie. My dislike of it was mostly to do with the story. I just didn't like the story and the way it went. Um, yeah. Eh, so yeah, I, I, I and what uh, and what you said about Kermode's comment that he meant his compliment that you didn't really take that way. I think is is true about the superhero ness of it because I I just feel like it having a very conventional antagonist to root against made it Im- immediately feel like a class of film below The Shining, which again is like the highest bar possible to clear, but it, it did feel a bit more conventional blockbustery. Yeah, and one thing I like about The Shining, and trust me, I I, under- I realize it's unfair to compare this film directly to The Shining like like you said, one of the best of the genre, but what makes The Shining work is that it doesn't straight out tell you this is what this is what's happening um, it's, kind of, it's to an extent up to your interpretation of what is actually going on, even though Stephen King I believe in the book, makes it very explicit what's going on, Kubrick kind of made it a bit more ambiguous um Dr. Sleep definitely is very explicit in what's going on. <laughs> There's no ambiguity. And in fact, because it's a direct sequel to The Shining, it makes certain assumptions about The Shining and the sequel plays off those rules. Yeah, there's a, I can't remember exactly what it is, but there's a, I think it's when they're driving to the house, the outlook, there, there, is, there is some dialogue in there that not only does the story make some assumptions or just decide to make certain aspects of The Shining canonical, they even have dialogue that explicitly makes it so, and I was like that's a bit, I don't like that at all and I actually, I like the movie a lot more than you did, but yeah they kind of I, I didn't like that at all, I, I think they, they and they went a little too literal with it as well, it's just, yeah, it, it was odd. Yeah, and I have one more thing which is definitely a thing that's personal to me, and I won't uh, hold this to anybody else's opinion, but I had a, a little tiny bit of the the rage two to this, and what I mean by that is, okay, let me explain. That the reason why I like the raid one a lot and don't like the raid two a lot is because because the raid one is this simple simple story, and. I mean, the story almost doesn't matter <laughs> in the Raid one. It's, but it's so simple, and that's why it works, because because the, simp- the, the simplicity of the story allows the, the violence to be... The ex- I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like a musical with fists, right? And then the Raid 2 was like, okay, let's try and overcomplicate the story, and to me, it almost like muddled what was enjoyable about the first one. I think Dr. Sleep does that as well, where The Shining was this really simple story at its core. And then Dr. Sleep tries to like make the world bigger. And it's like going from this place in America to this place in America to this place in America to this place to back to there. And 
there's all these extra rules to do with what the shine is and there's these people who want to get this and this little this other little boy and and now people can just you can listen to anybody in the world's mind if you just feel like it and like it, it tried to make what was a really simple core concept too big and it, it just didn't work for me real disappointing because i i did want to i did want to like it and i do like mike flanagan but this is kind of for me the first dud not dud but the the first disappointment i've seen for him mm. it was better than the raid too fair enough fair enough <laughs> well low, low bar low bar <laughs> uh joe what have you been watching this week Oh, well, I've um, seen one of the hot new releases uh, this month. Uh, it's the Martin Scorsese film, The Irishman. Um, this is the Netflix production, which has been shown at select cinemas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was boycotted by your big chains like Odeon and View because of the, um, the short release window. So it's going to be on Netflix at the end of November. Um, but I did manage to, manage to catch it uh, Central London. Um, a big, big Scorsese fan. Uh, Goodfellas, uh, probably my number two film of all time. Um, absolutely love that film. I love most of his stuff. You know, King of Comedy, yeah, Your Raging Bull, all of that. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, I love, even though it's kind of a slightly flawed version of Goodfellas, but I love that as well. Um, and this, of course, reunites a lot of the uh, Scorsese alumni um, so you've got De Niro, you've got Pesci, you've got Keitel. Uh, and if you're a keen kind of Scorsese fan, you'll notice a lot of other um, actors who have played kind of small roles in his big films in the past popping up. Um, he also works with, for the first time, Mr. Al Pacino, um, <laughs> who plays um, Union President Jimmy Hoffa. Um, and also Britain's own Stephen Graham, uh, who's always a good good value uh, in, in his roles. Um, so I went in with, with high expectations and with a lot of my kind of favourite actors in it. Um, and I did really, really enjoy it. And the kind of elephant in the room is that it's three and a half hours long, um, which uh, for any cinema release is a bit of a marathon. Um I didn't feel it, it dragged at all until the kind of last 30 to 40 minutes, which were a bit of a slog. I'm not sure if that's just because we'd already been sat in the cinema for, you know, three and a half hours, including trailers, um, or whether it just was a very kind of slow ending. Um, but that, that was the only the only part which I kind of checking me watch, wishing, thinking, God, how much, how much more to go. Um, up until that point, really, really good. The performances are great. They do use this kind of de-aging technology, um, which is somewhat controversial. I would say it's only right at the beginning of the film when they turn De Niro into, I think he's supposed to be in his kind of mid-twenties, where it does look a bit like Tom Hanks in the Polar Express. Uh, and I was a bit worried that that would kind of ruin the film. But actually, after that, you don't really notice it. It is actually done quite subtly. Um, particularly Pacino and Pesci, um, I wouldn't have even known that they had had any kind of CGI work done to them. They were apparently Pacino was supposed to be in his forties in a lot of it. Not sure I quite managed that, but he, he did look very natural. Um, Joe Pesci 
one of my favourite all-time actors who's been retired for, for years and years now. He's, oh, he's so good, Joe Pesci. Bloody love Joe Pesci. Uh, he's fantastic in this. Does, does a great turn. Um, Al Pacino is ratcheted up to 10 out of 10. Al Pacino, he's, he's hooing, he's hollering, he's doing all the Pacino stuff, bordering on kind of parody, but um, given the character he's playing, I think it actually works quite well. Um, it's it's a kind of slower film. A lot of a lot of the reviews have commented on this. It's a lot kind of slower than a lot of Scorsese's films, and it's somewhat more kind of reflective. It's a lot of sort of older characters in it, looking back at the kind of their life of crime. Um, and particularly at the end, it's really kind of slows down and shows you the sort of last years of a kind of criminal's life and, and what, what it's like to kind of deal with the aftermath of that and alienating people and having this kind of history, this violent past. So really interesting. Ticks all the kind of usual Scorsese boxes, um, gangsters, Catholicism, drugs, you know, the lot. Um, I, overall, I give it a, a thumbs up. I mean, it's going to be on Netflix, so, you know, no reason not to watch it. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I am glad I saw it at the cinema because it is it's quite quite an epic piece of work and very different from kind of Goodfellas or Wolf of Wall Street where it, it doesn't glamorise the kind of mafia at all. Right. It's quite a almost like a blue collar film where it, they're not kind of having you know champagne and going to big parties and hanging out with celebrities. It is very much the kind of day to day grimy seedy world of the mafia which is interesting and quite a contrast with his previous films. So I think in what I always found interesting about Scorsese is that he portrays these completely kind of, you know, amoral, amoral, clearly reprehensible characters and, but shows the kind of glamour and the humor and, you know, the attractiveness of that world and kind of dares you to sort of like these characters who are clearly violent sociopaths and criminals um, but if this movie doesn't do that, he just kind of shows shows it as it is um, and kind of leaves that for you to, to interpret. So I did really enjoy it. I'll watch it again when it's on Netflix and kind of rejudge the last um, sort of section of the film to see how I feel once I've not been attacked by the cinema seat for four hours. Um, but yeah, thumb, thumbs up. Very good. Yeah, I really, yeah, I, I really want to see it. It's not being shown near me. It's so annoying. Yeah, I live in Ireland. I should be able to see it. <laughs> you should see the Irishman in Ireland Ooh, for free. Um, yeah, especially uh, Scorsese. You want you want to see that cinema, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I'll watch it when it's on Netflix, obviously, but I'd rather see it on the big screen. But yeah, one thing I I must say for everyone. One thing I liked about Doctor Sleep, uh, specific to what you were just saying, Joe, is that they. <laughs> They don't use de-aging technology uh, mm-hmm. in, in like certain scenes in, in Doctor Sleep where it's oh, yeah. harkening ha- back to uh, the original Shining. Uh, they just cast a young boy to play Ewan McGregor. Yeah. It's a joke, folks. But, yeah. Looks at camera. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny. I mean, it wasn't as good as uh, Jim Carrey still in it, you know. Mm, well, they can't all be singers, can they? They can't all be. I mean, they can't all be incredible. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, Paul, you've been listening to some music this week. I have. 
I like Go music. On. Uh, oh, yeah, tell you, I'm really into. Um, I have been for a while. This isn't a new development, but I've been really into Future Islands. But I've never really kind of sought out their early stuff. I've only really listened to later stuff. So this week I listened to I think their first two albums on Spotify, like back to back. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely not quite as refined as their modern stuff, which is like really great, catchy, synth, bass, pop. It's great. The early stuff is a little bit, a little bit more out there, a little bit more experimental. I'm not sure I enjoy it as much, but uh, it was good going to check it out. Maybe something that you know, o- over a few re uh, visits might kind of become more accessible. But if someone's interested in getting into Future Islands, uh, maybe it's better to start with the the newer stuff. Singles probably is the easiest place to begin, actually. Uh, but that's all for me. Yeah, I was listening to just a bit of future rounds. Alrighty. And uh, let me see here. You have an email this week? Well, someone else. Joe, do you listen to music before you go to emails? Yes. Go on. I have, I have music and a musical. It's <gasps> um, so just one, one bit of music I've been listening to. So Pitchfork released their 200 best songs of the 2010s as we... Um, Rapidly approach the end of the decade. So uh, just want to see what you think of the kind of top ten. Okay. Um, so a couple of my favourite songs in the top three, actually. So I'll go, to, I'll go from ten down. Okay. So number ten, we've got... I, don't, I can't even pronounce this. <laughs> Lil Uzi Vert. Oh, God. Exotor Life Lift 3. I've never heard of it. Okay. Barry, any idea? You listen to this sort of thing, don't you? I, I mean, I do, but I, I can't say I know mu- much about Mr. Vert. I was going to say, you listen to this shite, but then it's the number 10 best song of the decade, so that's probably good. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, yeah, so I'm objectively correct, but I haven't I haven't heard this. Okay, well, but, um, I haven't got around to listening to that one yet, but that sounds interesting. Number 9, Lana Del Rey Video Games. That's a, that's a Yeah, it's right, yeah. Decent, yeah. decent song, I quite like that one. I don't know. Um, number 8, Solange. Cranes in the Sky. I have never heard a Solange song. I, I, I remember that time she hit Jay-Z. That was good. Yeah, it that was in a lift or something, wasn't it? That was fun. I like that. that. I haven't heard the music. Um, number seven, Mitski, Your Best American Girl. Great song. Oh, hello. Michelle likes it. Never heard of it. Must be uh, very slow. Um, uh, number... Th- you have to go in his own way. What? Number six... Uh, Zaya Banks, uh, is it 212? 212. 212, not two. I was going to say 212 because I'm old. It's um, 212. See, that, that, is a, that is a banger. That is a very good song. I've never heard it. I do like that one. Oh, I think you'd like that, Paul. Okay. Um, if you like the C word, you'll love that one. I do. Oh, well, jump in. Okay. Um, number five, Frank Ocean, Thinking About You. Great song. I don't know. See, I like Frank Ocean, and I think his out al- that album, I think Bond is like tremendous. But like, all- I think all this stuff kind of runs together. Like, you put Frank Ocean on when you're in a bit of a mood. You're a bit down. You stick it on, and you just- it's nice to press music. But it's not like he has bangers. Like, oh, stick on that particular Frank Ocean song. I love his dad, yeah. uh, Billy Ocean. He's great. Yeah, 
When the going gets tough, tough gets going with little Danny DeVito dancing in the background. The fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, Beyonce formation. I haven't listened to Beyonce. I, I know, I know Beyonce, but I don't know that song. I liked um, uh, Bootylicious. That was good. <laughs> That's that's a great one. Yeah. I also liked when she did uh, "Crazy in Love." That was great. That's good. That's good songs, except for that one. Uh, Run the world, girls, and the music is just noise, just a beeping noise. Yeah, right. no, that's not good. Um, number three, probably my favorite song of the decade. Uh, Robin dancing on my own. Mm. How does that one go? I'm in the corner. What do you care so? Oh, I do know that one. Okay. Have you have you ever seen a commercial, Paul? Yeah, have you ever? I I that's a good one. I like that song. Yeah. Have you ever been near a radio? <laughs> okay, I know that one. That's one out. That's of, a good one. One out of ten. Um, number two is Grimes with Oblivion. I don't know who that is. I don't think, oh Grimes, the, the 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 mental pop artist who goes out with Elon Musk. I probably shouldn't call her mental. Let's oh, I apologize for that. That's yeah, Barry, that's not woke of you. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually a big Grimes fan, surprisingly. Um so I I do have a soft spot for kind of synth pop feet now um solo artists. So Robin up there, Grimes is up there, uh LaRue, that kind of thing. So I'd, um, this is two of my favourite songs in the top three, so I'm quite pleased with this. I feel like I've uh, got my finger on the pulse here. And then number one, Kendrick Lamar, All Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I know Kendrick Lamar, but I don't know that. Uh, yeah, this, what album was that from? Michelle? Butterfly. Spin Butterfly. Of course, yeah. Eh, I don't know. That's, that's a weird list, so, you know. Quite depressing songs. It's not. Yeah, yeah. No, shush. Um, there's no. I was looking at the um, 200 best songs of the 2000s. Yeah. And you had uh, Real Slim Shady and Remix to Ignition. So of course, different, different vibes for different decades. Mm. Um, no, 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 Lizzo in the top ten, which I'm surprised by. Uh, Paul, do you know who Lizzo is? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay, so I was me and my roommate were going. I've never heard Lizzo song, but I know who Lizzo is. She dressed up as Ursula the Sea Witch once. As <laughs> Ursula the what? From the Little Mermaid. Oh, see, Barry, I, I know Lizzo more better than you. So wow. That. Well, you know Little Mermaid. You know Little Mermaid better than me, obviously. Absolutely. The amount of times I've done part of your world karaoke, mate, you wouldn't believe. Uh, I, I bet I wouldn't. Look uh, at these uh, things. Neat. Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl? The girl who has everything. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I, I, me and my roommate were going somewhere during the week and we got in the car and mm. uh, I mentioned Lizzo in conversation because I had a friend going to her concert and he did not know who she was. And I was like, her song is like the longest rating number one billboard song ever by by a massive margin and i put the song on he hadn't heard of it i was like wow what song like, is it uh, truth hurts how does it go well, 
I just took a DNA test, turns out I'm out. Said that bitch. Bit. That, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rhythm, but I do. <laughs> Daft Punk Get Lucky is only a number 114. That's it. Ah, it's the size of the summer. What's wrong with him? Exactly. Uh, Justin Bieber, sorry, 120. Well, that's really low. Wow. Yeah. They got one right. Future Islands were like 34 or something with seasons. Oh, what, what a song. Oh, good out. They're great. Drake, Hotline Bling, 138. Wow. Mm. This is a bizarre list, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wrecking Ball, Miley Cyrus, 152. Yeah, uh, well, that, that, that's on. just a novelty song, really. Ah, uh, mate. Best song in the world. Also, <laughs> shall um, nudie in the video, so you're better. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you come across any top blanks of the decades list uh, send them to us and we'll react to them on air <laughs> well I I have uh, top movies of the decade list that I made if you wanna... okay not one that one of us made uh, just, just tell you what it is just say oh god you ready for this I, Ta- think we should, I think we should save it top 10 no. <laughs> yeah save it till the end of the decade for fuck's uh, sake fuck it. I don't watch that many movies uh, number one uh, okay, what's well, that? You never know. Now. The raid is in. The raid is in the top ten. I think that much. The raid. Give us, give us a couple of teasers. I close it now. Uh, the raid is in <laughs> there. Forgot. He's immediately forgotten. He's forgotten. <laughs> Inception. I think I have in there. Okay. Um, I have Joker. What you know? That might just be recent. Really? I have uh, Nebraska, of course. Yeah. And I think I have Good Time up there as well with Robert Pattinson. And Mother. Mother! Ah, uh, lads, music is great, isn't it? Yeah. How were, how were uh, Future Islands? That, did you go see them that one time? Joe? Uh-oh. No? Were you not going to see Future Islands? Did I dream that? No, I've never heard them. Ah, uh, Joe, come on. Okay. Anyway. Seasons change. What's this uh, musical then that you saw? Oh, and we saw a musical as well with a, a friend of ours, someone I used to work with. Um, it was what was it about? It was about a gay fella. It was it was originally on in 1992. So this is like a revival, and it's about this gay fella who leaves his wife and child and goes out with. Uh, another gay fella obviously um, but then it's about AIDS and I'll be honest it wasn't great we kind of enjoyed the first act or the, the first half as I called it which led to much mockery because apparently um, it's yeah, they call them acts not halves and mm. um, that's that's football um, yeah, and none, yeah none of the songs were that memorable I would say and the story wasn't it was very kind of wacky but then suddenly AIDS happens and it's like, oh, oh yeah. And it's like, well, am I supposed to feel sad? Cause you've been like dancing around doing cartwheels for the last 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, maybe, maybe we'll do a better production of it one day, but yeah, thumbs, thumbs in the middle. I'm surprised that somebody that I used to know didn't make the pitchfork list. That's a good track. Yeah. <laughs> It's, mm, it's a novelty. Uh, 
Well, maybe I like novelty songs. Well, I'll put it on my list with all them <laughs> crap metal songs that I listen to. Yeah, all the uh, the uh, <laughs> arse dementia. <laughs> I have an email <laughs> to change the subject quickly. Uh, this email comes from Will, and the subject, which we all pop for, undoubtedly, put the cookie down now. He says, hi, Paul. I just watched Pumping Iron, which is a fascinating <laughs> film starring the great Arnie. I know, Arnold. <laughs> I know that you're all big fans of Schwarzenegger, so I was wondering what your favorite films of his are and why you think he became so successful. Cheers, Will. Uh, well, Will, we are big fans of Arnie. Uh, lads, what's your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger film? Jingle all the way, of course. Yeah. I mean, apart, that's not fair. I mean, I mean that's a given. Obviously. That's a given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like, yeah, Desert Island is. So, yeah, 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 yeah. what What else? I, well, I mean, it's got to be Terminator and Terminator 1 and 2 for me. Terminator 1 and 2. Predator, I think, is really great as well. The first one. Um, yeah. What else has Arnie made? I love Escape Plan. From 2014. Ooh, really love that film. I think it's a great, a great little callback to the 80s. Arnie and Sly, but like in the 2010s and in a great film. Um, I like those comedy. I like Twins. It's a favorite of mine. Twins and Junior, uh, and I like Junior for just how completely bizarre it is. <laughs> um, Some kind of art house movie with a Pregnant bodybuilder and Danny DeVito as the father. Uh, you have uh, Total Recall, of course, which has Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sharon Stone, the best-looking woman in a film in history. Um, and also a great film. Total Recall is great. Total Recall is so good. Um, get your ass to Mars. Um, what else? Uh, for me, I mean, it's possibly just... Uh recency biased but I, I just I just rewatched it but Terminator so good that, that uh, first Terminator I similarly recently revisited oh, it's so good it's a shame in a sense okay Terminator 2 is fucking brilliant don't get me wrong mm, but in a sense yeah. it's a shame that it's overshadowed the first Terminator so much that first Terminator yeah. is so good yeah. uh, anyone seen Terminator Dark Fate by the way well, no, I'm trying to rewatch the second one before I see it. <laughs> I have a beard in this one now. How does Terminator grow a beard? Now I'm an old robot, don't ask. It was explained that the one with the media clock, no one saw it. I'm kind of ready at Wolf Castle now. Um, I also <laughs> love this, it's not really an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but I love that bit. In I want to say it's Welcome to the Jungle where he like shakes the rock's hand as he goes out of a club yeah. or something to go. Yeah. You are the star of films now, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> 
Oh, this is like me doing the uh, Steve Austin says uh, doing the favors. <laughs> <laughs> if I was you, I would kill the big gorilla in rampage. <laughs> 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 They're actually having it. You know, in the eighties, we would have just shot a rocket at the gorilla. I would have exploded. I would have been covered with the gorilla's guts, and that would have been the iconic image. But you know, it's different these days. You do a good job, Dwayne. You do a good job. I would have said a funny line like, "Time to put you on the gorilla." I would have said something like, "Damn, that was bananas." <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, I'd say the worst Arnold movie I've seen has to be Batman and Robin the film, that film is like three hours long and it's just Arnie going eyes to meet you oh the worst um, my wife <laughs> Oh god. Um I'll black voice my wife. <laughs> oh god. Anyway. That's my email. Thanks very much, Will. Uh let's yeah, let's jump in to the wrestling chit chat. Wait, not yet. We got a competition to do. Oh sorry, we have a competition. I am great I'm apologizing thoroughly. You should. Okay. Homer Simpson apologizing thoroughly. <laughs> right, let me just find my little clip ski. So this is we've done songs of Ray Mysterio. We've done songs of Ray Phoenix. This is songs of Ray Oros this time, right? Lovely, lovely, okay. So I won't tell you I won't tell you what it is. Just know okay. that it's a new catchphrase. It's a catchphrase of Vince McMahon. Which he's okay. he's recently started using, okay? <laughs> I want to be a billionaire, so give me, give me, give me money. Saudi Arabia. Fuck! Don't play that again. <laughs> play it once more. Go. I want to be a billionaire, so give me, give me, give me money. Saudi Arabia. Fuck! The boys. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> I wanna be a billionaire, so keep making, making me. Oh, <laughs> uh, boys! All right. So, so the, ca- um, the catchphrase, if people haven't worked it out yet, is "I wanna be a billionaire, so give me, give me, give me money, Saudi Arabia, fuck the boys." <laughs> Wait, I thought it was for the boys. No. Fuck. <laughs> uh, and there's, a, there's a 12 inch mix where there's the sound of a plane taking <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, let's get, oh, let's gosh, get, get it one more time. One more time. I want to be a billionaire, so give me, give me, give me money. Saudi Arabia. Fuck. Okay. So, have we, we got... Are we guessing? 
Or are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got? Uh, can we guess? You, how, how many do you think you've got? So, I think I've got th- at least three. No, yeah, three. Four. Four, I think. I will say the Saudi Arabia clip no one will get. I literally yeah. just found the song yeah. with Saudi Arabia because the joke wouldn't work otherwise. Yeah. yeah. So you got. I want to be in Arabia for the boys. Okay. So what, three? Yeah, I can do three. Joe said he could do four. Four. Joe, have a go. Um, So the first one is Bruno Mars? No. Right. It's, it is. It's Bruno Mars. He's, 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 he's featured on the song, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know who's in it. Who's the other guy? Well, he sings the part on the, uh, in the bit. Yeah, so. he sings that bit. So, yeah. yeah. He's called Billionaire. Travis, uh, what's his name? From McCoy, is it? Travis McCoy, yeah, featuring oh, Billionaire. Who hasn't even done anything notable anyway, so whatever. Yeah. Um, That's correct. I want to be Billionaire, so... Gimme, gimme, gimme is Abba, of course. Of course. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Money is Pink Floyd. It is Pink Floyd, money. Um... Saudi Arabia, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know Saudi um, Arabia. You don't even know that one. Uh, what's after that? Fuck. I don't know. Fuck. Uh, not sure on that one. And the final one is the boys. The boys back in town. Yeah, Thin Lizzy. Very good. Oh, yeah, Thin Lizzy, yeah. Do you know the boys? Uh, the boys. The fuck, Barry? Uh, no. No, because no. I didn't even hear that it was fuck. Uh, you know, it's like, I, no. No. Uh, fuck, maybe the listeners got it. Maybe the listeners got five out of five. Fuck was Eminem. Just don't give a fuck. Um, right, of course. Yeah. So there you go. The catchphrase that's taken the nation by storm. Yeah. Uh, the joke that every week, maybe. <laughs> that joke probably would have worked better a week ago had I made it by then. But I did have the idea, and I just never got around <laughs> to doing it. Well, that's the important thing. As long as you had the idea. Exactly. That's, that's what matters. Mm. Um, yeah. Wrestling time? Yes. So what do we want to talk about first? There's a lot of wrestling since we last uh, uh, oh, hang on. What's going on? Oh, AEW. AEW. Do we want to do Dynamite before Full Gear, or we just jump into Full Gear? Yeah, uh, is there anything notable from Dynamite? I mean, I thought the the Cody promo was, like, out of this world good. Yeah, incredible, yeah. And it's funny, because actually when he started doing the promo, I thought to myself, ah, Cody, I, 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 I've been buying into him as a star lately, but this promo is a little bit monotone. Little did I know... He was working me because he was. He only had the dial turned down. It wasn't turned up yet. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and then fuck. Sold him back. His little his voice breaking as he, my mother. I was like, oh my god, this is classic eighties babyface stuff. I was eating it up like delicious popcorn. Ah, excellent. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Uh, on the other hand, I thought the Jericho video was a little too silly. No! It was, it was funny. It was funny. 
it was a little too far <sighs> in the wacky column for me. I don't know. It's one of those where it's almost too funny for a heel because it makes the baby face look stupid. Like, but I did laugh out loud at it. So the old lady saying, "I'll beat the shit out of him." Yada yada. Uh, oh, no, the, it peaked. It peaked early. I'm surprised you didn't mention this, Paul. Right, right. With Jericho giving Sammy Guevara the little kiss, the little right back. <laughs> yeah, the little right back. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's yeah, what I mean, people will not understand. No, but I can't be arsed. Uh, uh, Paul Heyman kissed Ryback right once, and Ryback right opened his mouth wide like he was going, ah! Like a muppet, and we loved it. <laughs> and he must have talked about it for, I well, we're still talking about it six years <laughs> later, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was silly, but there's just something about Jericho's character, like... I think he strikes the balance really well because at the end of the day, like they had that great segment a few weeks ago where, where he tucked his tail and ran, you know, after getting a whooping from from Cody and his boys. So I think he's just that kind of character. I think I think he's I think they're working hard to try and get that modern AEW audience to boo him, uh, which obviously in comedy will get a good reaction. But his his thing is not to be. Um, uh, he's not trying to be a badass, and he's not trying to be a cool heel. I think he's trying to. I think he is trying to be a little bit of a joke. Yeah, yeah. Even the joke about his age, you know, being the youngest champion and that kind of thing. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, good. Um, and obviously the um, uh, the closing brawl with it, with basically everyone was was cool. Yeah, I mean, I think AW. I don't want to say rely too much on wild show closing brawls, but it seems like every episode of Dynamite ends with one that goes on for ten minutes and features about twenty people. Yeah, yeah, they they are they feel very much they are like a WCW tribute act. That is kind of what their vibe is. Yeah, but I mean that that promo was the saving grace of the show. It, it definitely was standout one of the best one of the best promos i've seen in a while and a, a very good advertisement for non-scripted promos and and real emotion in promos instead mm. um that being said i don't remember who it was but i remember there was a, a very bad scripted promo or a very bad non-scripted promo on dynamite either this week or last week i can't remember who it was but i remember thinking that's a good advertisement for scripted promos <laughs> because it was like the the complete opposite side. It was a horrendous promo, but I forget who it was. Was it... Was it, uh... Uh... Jimmy Havoc a few weeks ago? Well, no, no. It, was, uh, it wasn't It was a pre-tape. It was like a live promo in front of the crowd. But that Jimmy Havoc one was awful as well. Yeah. Um, so much so, he, he deserved that ass-whipping. <laughs> you earned it. Um... Yeah, I mean, we don't need to talk about Dynamite so much since Full Gear is kind of the focus of yeah. the AEW world. What did you guys make of Full Gear? Um, I think it's going to be tough to justify paying for these now that Dynamite is on the air and it's two hours of wall-to-wall high-level pro wrestling. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like the prior to... The t- two main events, which I think we'll talk about a bit more I- in a second, this felt like an episode of Dynamite that cost me money, um, uh, which is not a bad thing. Dynamite is good, and I think in particular the wrestling is good. But 
I think that's um, a negative uh, of of their show is that in general I think they're not getting the characters over enough because they're just having matches. But then how do you differentiate these big shows because you have so much wrestling for free? Um, it's a uh, yeah. I I I, I mean uh, that was one of my takeaways. Yeah, theoretically, they're going to have to lean more into the pay per views you know, paying off long building storylines. You know, the chase for the title, the, you know, you keep people apart until the pay-per-view match. They're going to have to lean more heavily into that so that that's what people are paying for rather than the quality of the matches. You know, the big title fight, the big debut, etc., etc. And to be fair, I mean, Dynamite's only been on the air a month and they kind of had to come out of the blocks quickly with with big Swing matches it. yeah exactly so maybe the 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 quality of the the pay-per-views versus the tv is quite similar now but it's not to say that the tv will get worse but they can kind of rein back a little bit on putting all the big stuff on the tv and saving stuff mm-hmm. for pay-per-views and building to it and again paying off on the pay-per-view and having the pay-per-view be the the climax rather than what we've seen lately with with wwe and impact where the pay-per-view is the second-to-last step, and everything gets paid off on the TV show after the pay-per-view. Um, so hopefully they don't fall into that trap. Um, I agree, though. I mean, I thought I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think there were kind of high points and less <laughs> high points. Lower points? Lower points. Worse bits. Bits mm. that were kind of rubbish. But overall, I thought it was very good. And I thought the two main matches both were were really great i agree with, with barry's point i did think this felt special um compared to the tv show just because i think the set and the setup and everything was was at least marked it out as, as being a bit different and you did have a lot of kind of build up to the match the matches meant a bit more um, but I do agree because it is just a very similar format to the tv show it's just match 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 um, I think they need to mix it up a little bit um, on the TV show. Yeah. Uh, so before Dynamite debuted and we were just kind of watching the countdown shows on YouTube in between pay-per-views, that was a lot more interesting to follow because um, it was just kind of building the storylines every every few days with the new video until you got to the pay-per-view and then you had the matches as the payoff. So that worked really well. So yeah, I think they need to redress the balance in terms of sort of storylines on the TV show week to week rather than just sort of wrestling. And and like I, I think I think that's a, a two pronged criticism. I think it's important to re to reassess the T V show, not only to assist these pay per views, but also to assist the show itself. I, I think they need to address that balance because the Cody promo was great, the Mox promo was great, but it also took them five weeks to finally give us a Mox promo. I mean, that was crazy in itself. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned the countdowns. Did you watch the countdown for this show? Yeah, I didn't see most of it. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, uh, I it was a YouTube thing. They didn't promote it very much, which was disappointing. But it was on the pre-show, which was nice. Yeah. So I think that's how most people saw it. I, I thought it was tremendous. I mean, I thought. I thought the it, the video package on Dynamite for Moxley versus uh, Kenny was good, and they they ostensibly had an extended version of it on this um on this countdown with just tons of CCW footage and and Moxley going to the old ECW arena which CCW ran for years. I mean, just great great stuff. 
Um, but yeah, I think um, I I hope they get it. It's crazy to say because I, I I think their mo with Dynamite is kind of we have to be anti WWE. We can't have shows opening with twenty minute promos, and that's great. I agree with that. But uh, they they need to strike the balance better. Um, and I think that's kind of been reflected in in the ratings. I mean they've they have lost half their audience since that debut episode, which. Um, I think everyone expected something of a drop off, but I think it's been pretty pretty stark. Um, and I think part of the problem is that they're not building up their top stars enough with um, uh, promos and videos and things like that actually building up who they are. I think they just, uh, I, not to sound like Vince Russo, but you can't just do wrestling matches. You can. Um, so, so yeah, we'll we'll get into the actual card here. I guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll keep it brisk. Uh, opener, I thought was really good. Uh, proud and powerful, defeating the Young Bucks. Really enjoyed it. They had the uh, the really good uh, high intensity all action tag that you'd expect, and proud and powerful won, which was the right call. Uh, what did you lads make of this? Yeah, they look great. Santana and Ortiz. Uh, the Britt Baker B Priestley pre-show match was was bad, by the way. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't. It wasn't much. It wasn't good. It was not good. Uh, yeah, I I I thought pa- proud and powerful looked great in particular, um, and it was kind of a showcase match for them more than uh, the the wild young books LAX match you'd kind of expect, mm-hmm. which makes sense because you want to get these new this new team over and kind of build a division I kind of want to start to see, to see the Young Bucks win at this stage because they just seem to lose yeah. all their matches um, but I, I thought it was I thought it was a really great really fun opener probably my favourite match of the night I think yeah. really like both teams I'd never really seen a lot of the Young Bucks before AEW because I'd never watched PWG or, or Ring of Honor really at all so I'd only seen bits and pieces but I've become uh, a much bigger fan of theirs since AEW debuted I think you get to see kind of what they're really all about. Uh, and they're not just the, the silly kind of moves and the insider references. They actually put on brilliant matches. Um, they know how to work the crowd. And, you know, the stuff with the Rock and Roll Express was really fun afterwards as well. I can't get out of my head, though, that Nick Jackson looks a bit like Dave Hill from Slade. <laughs> and he always, I don't know why, but Nick Jackson looks a little bit like not a nice man and Matt Jackson looks like a real friendly bloke so I I, I, I means literally just in terms of aesthetics like he doesn't look nice and the other one does the other one's more handsome no no I mean literally Matt Jackson looks like you want to be friends with him Nick Jackson looks like he'd be uh, uh, a mean man <laughs> I don't know why but that's just the impression I, have. I don't like his face and you look a bit like Dave Hill I tell you uh, uh, a, a good one-two punch was the uh, the proud and powerful stuff on the countdown special, and then this match as well. They they came off stars back to back. I thought they came off so charismatic in that um they are. that uh, countdown. The um, also in, during the match, the the Ortiz super kick cell. Oh, a little God, bit over so, top, but I loved it. <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Ortiz Ortiz has well, they both do, but Ortiz in particular. has so much despair. He yeah, is so charismatic. Despair. Um, uh, I, I was glad because there was a little bit of ambiguity there when they left Impact. People weren't quite sure where they were going to go. I'm so glad they went here. Way better fit. Way better fit. 
Um, tell you what I wasn't, what I wasn't hot on. Uh, I agree with you that the Young Bucks are probably losing too much. That's fair. I wasn't big of them getting their heat back after the match, though. I mean, I know the, the rock and roll thing was cute, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that. I, in general, I don't like that. When when the new up-and-coming heels get the win and then the faces run them off after. I, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, maybe that's something they could have done on the TV or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also don't like that the Young Bucks, you know, are baby faces ostensibly here. But they're always like spitting at their opponents, giving the finger and yeah. stuff. A little bit, little bit too shades of grey for me. It was silly because at the beginning of the match, you had LAX making lots of tags. The referee wasn't seeing. Oh, the referee means... was interminable—not interminable, but fucking, I couldn't stand him in this. Uh, you have to tag well, your hand. I've seen a, t- a thousand matches where someone will yeah. tag the other one on the shoulder. That, that... The best theory I've seen is that that was done to rib JR. I honestly think it must have been. Maybe. Uh, he was fucking terrible on this show again, by the way. He had he had some highlights that I, I want to talk about later, but oh my god. Oh my god. Like, oh, I just... Uh, we've said it all, but he's so... He is like a joke at this point. Like, he just can't get over... He can't get over that this is just... The term I've seen thrown around that I agree with. This is just the house style of AEW. Just fucking make your peace with it, for the love of God. I, I will say, I, did, I didn't think he was so bad in this one. Or maybe I just didn't notice the, the worst stuff. But I, one of my problem with Jim Ross is that he's just so... And he, not so much in the main events, to, to be fair to him. But he's just so blasé about everything as well. Like, even for us, our Jim Ross impression has gone from... By God! Ah, in Austin! Ah, to, well, well, X, uh, I'm talking very matter-of-factly about this match here. Um, oh, did you notice he, he pinned both shoulders down there? By God, that was a great pinfall. I really love that stuff there, uh, Shivani. You know, like yeah, he, it's like he does that. Even when he's getting when he's getting pissed off at the pin stuff, he's not even getting really annoyed. He's just like, ah, well, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck his problem is, but anyway, I don't <laughs> it's remember. like he's recording his podcast or something. It is. He, he treats it like he's like uh, like both in terms of his tone, but also not realizing that he's supposed to be putting over what he's seeing, regardless of whether he likes it or not. That's not what his job is on the show. But to be honest, geez. I never thought I would say it, but it applies to this show here. When the pre-show ended, I was sad when Taz left and got replaced by Jim Ross. <laughs> oh yes, oh yeah, and like Taz has his own great. Voice. But I thought I thought on Dark a few weeks ago and on this he was very good. Yeah, because Taz, okay, fair enough. Taz has his own hang-ups, but he understands the concept of getting the wrestlers over. You know, so at least mm. with, on, okay on, uh, in TNA he got a little bit again a parody of himself. But what I've seen of <laughs> him in AEW. He's very into like getting the wrestlers over and the wrestlers' stories and who they are, and he's great. Like, I mean, I, I have I have felt like he's been angling for a job because he has been like really on his best behavior and really trying his hardest to call everything super serious. Um, I mean, look, AE, maybe he realizes, hey, maybe maybe AEW is like. Well, I was going to say maybe they're they're like JR isn't working, so let's try someone else. They are paying him big fat stacks of cash, so I don't I don't think they're going to bid him. Um, but they had the foresight to bid Marvez. Um, oh, geez, so, I haven't thought about him since that one show he was on. Yeah, and they and they I mean and they've also kind of replaced him back. He does the occasional backstage segment, but they hired that girl Dasha from WWE. Hmm. So, uh, so well, she does the Spanish commentary as well. 
Yeah, which which is you know interesting. But yeah. um, and you know I I think they have responded to crit. I think I, they haven't said it directly, but I feel like uh, they've done a lot of things to respond to criticism. They got rid of Marvez. Maybe it was the plan all along, but I feel like they've switched lanes on the Dark Order. I thought they were going to win that tag tournament. Now they are. Now they seem like they are strictly an enhancement heel team yeah. uh, on the level on the level of like Jack Evans and Angelico, um, and uh, they uh, and you know they they the first three weeks were so match heavy, but they have in the last two weeks gone a, a bit more on the promos on TV. So I feel like they are tuning in. But Jr. That's such an albatross because it's so much money and he is such a big name um, that I really don't know. Yeah, the match was great. Anyway, yes, that match was good. In in summation, uh, uh, that match was good. The next match was uh, also very, very good. Uh, Adam Page defeating Pac. Um, And I tell you what, Pac is brilliant. Yeah, I've been kind of underwhelmed a little bit with him since he kind of, you know, left WWE and started doing his indie stuff. But lately, he's been real good. There was that one crazy spot out by the timekeeper's desk where Adam Page ended up upside down on a chair. Um, yeah, I think once it got going, it really got going. It was really fun. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe, I, the, uh, maybe the best Adam Page show I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I've really been enjoying him uh, uh, on television. I think this was good again. Um, yeah. Uh, that's I'm enjoying him. I was surprised by the finish, though. I thought they were going with Pac as a um, as a as a as a top level contender, but like they well, had well, they, they they put out their their rankings and they had Pac at number two and Page at number three. You know, so they're up there. Yeah, crazy. I guess I guess he's still, I guess he's still up. Yeah, uh, but it's like you know uh, they had that tag match where Mox turned on him and he got pinned, and then like. Mox and Kenny sort of dispatched him like a little nuisance so they could have their square off. And, and then he's, he lost. Here, he's here in the second match of the pay-per-view match. Yeah. It's like this was the guy who they... It seemed like they were originally going to be building up as a potential uh, world champion contender. Now, to be fair, they've also announced a rubber match between these two um, uh, on for Wednesday. So, mm. so we'll see. Um... But, uh, but yeah, this, this was a really good match. Really, really fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, the next match was... Uh, Your piss break match. Yeah, this is the piss break match. Uh, Joey Janela versus Sean Spears. The the crowd... The <sighs> angle was hot, but the crowd does not give a fuck about Sean Spears. They have not at any of the, the TVs. Um, He's, he sticks well, out like a sore thumb, though. He, he, he does. I mean, this is the hot promotion with where everyone's over, um, except him. And, like, they've put in a lot of hard work. They've given him Tully Blanchard. They've let him do promos. Um, uh, but, yeah, no one cared. I mean, this match had the least reaction you've ever seen for a top rope belly-to-belly. Um, it was actually crazy. Like, because Janela was taking mad bumps. They they tried so hard. This was the definition of, of uh, the polite, they tried hard review. Hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, because you, you, you have... Sorry, well, it's hard to go so long. It was like, yeah, it just seemed to go on forever. Like five, five, six minutes for this kind of match would be plenty. You have people there who are like, you know, Cody's friends, but who are good wrestlers. And then you have him who's there because he's Cody's friend. Mm. Mm. 
and he mm. comes out and he has his chair and his little hood and his oh god oh it's so annoying because you know the lights go out and you see someone sitting on the ramp and you're like oh something exciting happening you're like oh no it's tidy danger and the problem is when you have a show with you know proud and powerful the young bucks adam page pack lucha brothers SEU, private party rio emmy sakura uh, John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Cody, Jericho, and then you have someone who wrestles like like a more boring Randy Orton. Like he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit in with what AEW's style is. Himself and Jim Ross. Get out! Oh, he's rubbish. I hate him. And his little mohawk. Oh, the stave. <laughs> <laughs> his little little forty year old with his little, with his little mohawk. I did uh, I did get a little chuckle when they, they they did a spike pile driver on the outside to Janella. Oh, that's cute. Oh, I wanted I wanted Tully to do a four fifty, do a Meltzer driver. <laughs> well, you got fucking Rock and Roll Express doing a destroyer and a dive earlier on the show. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, up next, we had uh, SCU, uh, SCU. Uh, successfully defending the tag team titles against the Lucha Brothers and Private Party. Uh, this division seems kind of weird. They, they, SCU kind of defeated everyone notable on the way up the card to get the belts. So I, I, don't, I don't feel like they have anyone really ready, but that's fine. Uh, this is all right. Um, I don't know about you lads, but I thought they were a little, a little contrived and a little, we prepared a bunch of spots and then also we didn't quite communicate well and some of them were a little bit rubbish, um, but it came together in the end. Yeah, well that was true of the first Lucha Brothers private party match as well. Yeah. It was a little sloppy Joe. Um, but some, that being said, some of the spots were still really fun. Uh, uh, Phoenix doing the run across the ropes to interrupt the, uh. The dive was it by Kazarian? Yeah, um, yeah, lo- lots of fun stuff. These these teams are real fun. I feel like SCU, ironically, of all the teams, you know, Young Bucks, Proud and Powerful, Lucha Brothers, Proud Party, are kind of the most boring. They're kind of the most WWE styled, which is why I find it interesting that they won the tournament. Obviously, they still have that indie cred and that background, but they're like like the least exciting of that bunch of teams um but yeah the match was fun and then and then for some reason chris daniels showed up dressed as pentagon i don't quite understand um, now why that yeah i'm not sure what the version now it was quite oh, it's quite a fun moment now, i don't know don't, don't think too hard about it just... <laughs> well i mean ironically i think it's an idea that they they thought too hard about mm-hmm. yeah you gotta come out dressed as pentagon because pentagon injured him so, you know, it was like a, like a reflection of what happened the first time. And, like, everyone knew it was Chris Daniels right away. Yeah, straight away, because he's been gone, like, two weeks. Um, also, yeah. it's like, I, I'm not really into, um, like, oh, let's do Daniels as the, as the twisted fallen angel again. I kind of just liked him as a, a goofy guy in SCU. Well, I say bring back Curry, man. The best of the Chris Daniel gimmicks. Mm. He's hot. 
He's spicy. Tastes great. Curry man. Hey, come out, do his little dance. Oh, mm-hmm. brilliant. Uh, you then had the best women's match so far in AEW. Uh, yeah, I Rio love it. And Emmy Sakura. Uh, yeah, because I've been—I I think I've said—I've been kind of underwhelmed with the women in AEW. I think that's the one thing that they've not really nailed. Um, while NXT, that's like the one thing that NXT does extremely well is their women's division. Uh, but this match was great. Yeah, these two, these two really have great chemistry, and some of the spots were were mad. Um, it's a little bit like when I saw Darby Allen wrestling for the first time, and I'm like, this guy's so fucking smooth and can just do like he's just real quick around the ring and real real slick. And there were spots in this that kind of gave me that same that same feeling. Mm. Very good, very good stuff. I'm still not huge on Rio, though. I think she's good in the ring, but... I like the theme music. It's great. Um, Why is it, by the way... I think... No, go ahead, Brian. No, you go. No, no, you go, you end. <laughs> Why is it that some wrestlers have really great theme songs in AW, like Rio, but more so Cody, Cody Chris Jericho... And then you have, like, the Young Bucks have, like, the most generic, rubbish theme song. Killing the business. I, um... I saw one good point about that, which is that some people have brought in themes that they had made for themselves outside of AEW. Or literally that Uh, they made themselves. Yes, like, Jericho, Darby Allin, Cody, um... Uh, I don't know about Riho's one. I think that's an, an AEW theme, but you know, most of yeah, most of the original AEW ones um, are, are are pretty weak. I, I've grown to accept most of them. I I really wish they would either partner up or just pay money to get Moxley's theme from New Japan because it's that one is so good, and his his AEW one. It sounds like when people would go from WWE to TNA 10 years ago and they would just get the shittest, like, obvious knockoff of the better theme. Like, like New Japan's Moxley theme is so good, and this one is so rubbish. Um, yeah, so I, I it's it's just the, the in-house guy they have seems to be doing an okay job. You know, bad to okay is the range, and then all the people who have outside themes um, are, are getting much better. Uh, and then you had the two main events, Jericho uh, and Cody, uh, which ended, of course, with the towel being thrown in by MJF. But, like, logically, because Cody was being beaten real bad and was in a submission mm. he wasn't getting out of. And then they did the MJF heel turn that, I mean, that was, that was more obvious than Chris Daniels being dressed as Pentagon earlier in the show. But if I, really, I really like that match. Oh yeah, I really like the match. Well, and I thought I really thought they were going to go an hour as well. <laughs> Just the way they were kind of taking their time with a lot of things and having lots of different kind of uh, segments within the match. I thought they were going to go an hour. I mean, ironically, the the wacky bump Cody took on the stage, which gave him a horrible mm-hmm. cut on his forehead. By the way. Yeah. That was horrible, yeah. 
But that like kind of made the match in a sense because yeah. they totally played off it. It was really, really great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. I, like, I didn't mind the finish in terms of him throwing the towel and it made sense. But it was just too early to do the turn. Well, I mean, it was too, simultaneously was too early to do the turn. But like, I, I never, it never really made sense for me to hit him to be a baby face in the first place. That's the thing, yeah. They've not, they've not developed that relationship enough to where it made sense that Cody was friends with him. That like, we all knew he was going to turn eventually. Like, it was obvious. Because they introduced him as a heel. You almost need to turn him face first, but they just kind of assumed he was a, f- like, a face, but he would still act heelish, especially when he'd do his promos. Um, and uh, yeah, they, he was just a heel who was Cody's friend, but then he'd come out and like fight the heels and stuff. So I don't, yeah, mm. I think I think you would have to have him as a heel. You could have him as a heel who's Cody's friend, and you know he'd interact with Cody and that. And then you could have him run out and make the save one day and like actively turn him babyface. But they never really did that. And so when he turned heel here. Well, he was kind of a heel anyway. He was a dick. And if anything, if anything, Cody was a bit of an idiot not to see it coming. So I kind of feel that way. I feel like, Cody, you brought this guy out as your second, who's obviously a bad guy. Uh, But it was always there for him, you know. I know, but... Again, maybe it was a little overthought. You know, this guy's a heel. Heels can't be trusted, Cody. God damn it! I mean, your dad was a wrestler. You never, never watched a wrestling show before. Uh, but there was, there was, uh, you know, there was nuance to it. You know, you know. Wow. MJ, MJF was always there for Cody. Cody himself has heelish tendencies. You know. True. True. I guess it just, um, it, it just seemed like it was coming for the month since AW started. It seemed like an inevitability that MJF was going to turn eventually on Cody, and so. At least they didn't drag it out any longer and got it out of the way. And I think they'll have a good feud as well. And I, I thought the turn itself was good because MJF was like... Crying because, on his knees. I thought they, they were teasing it in such a way that I was like, I wonder if they're going to swerve and one of these days Cody's going to turn on MJF. Which obviously would be stupid, but this is wrestling and you can always expect the stupid thing might happen. And it was like... MJF was on his his hands and knees begging and crying, and Cody was looking distraught because he obviously so he lost the right to ever challenge for the belt again. Yeah. Which I hope they stick to that because it would be very WWE to. to no, they won't. I mean, nah, they, they have a pay per view which is called Double or Nothing. Uh, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I gotta assume that that's gonna come into play. But but this is already this is already the double or nothing stip because it was I get the championship. And yeah, the but he'll say he'll say. I know that I made that promise, but we're going to go double or nothing. If I lose, if I win, I get the challenge again. If I lose, I leave the company forever. And then he wins. Okay, yeah, I guess, yeah. Happy days, yeah. double or nothing. I, I, wish, I wish he had just said, I will never challenge Chris Jericho for it again. I will not challenge for the next two years. Yeah, put a, put a limit on it. Now, if I lose, now... I will keep my wife off TV. For oh, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about that when she came out with Awesome Kong. Oh yeah, Awesome Kong cut B Priestley's heat hair for some reason. <laughs> anyway, this this finish. So like, 
I I thought there was a chance Cody was going to turn on MJF, and then MJF turned on him first, and JR had a, a good moment where he was like, oh, you little bastard, what to do that for? <laughs> That's the Jim Ross at his best. Yeah, like, and I think in general, Jim Ross is good during the Cody matches, because you can tell he loves that style of wrestling. He, lo- he thinks Cody is great, and he loves what he's doing. Um... So, yeah, so JR had his moment. And I think during the main event as well, probably because he was legitimately disgusted, he was great as well. But uh, I liked I liked the Jericho match a lot, and I, I, but I was glad they didn't go a full hour. Yeah, I don't know that I want to watch Chris Jericho go an hour these days. But it was really good for as long as it went. And then you had the divisive Lights Out match, Moxie and Omega. Yeah. Which I liked. To be honest, I didn't even think was that extreme. I mean, it was more than you would typically see on a mainstream American wrestling show. But even you know TNA have done barbed wire matches, like proper barbed wire matches with Sabu and Abyss and glass table spots and the like. I think the the for me the most extreme was you know the barbed wire. Spider webs, but which reminded me of stuff like you know, um, is it big, big time Japan or big Japan pro wrestling? And um, yeah, yeah, where they do fucking proper, proper mad stuff with like nail boards and the like. Like, even here, he didn't have um, 2010's favorite indie hardcore spot, the skewers, yes, yeah. Like it wasn't quite that extreme. If if you've watched like, you know, any amount of deathmatch wrestling from the last ten years, that's that's the weird thing. This this thing kind of occupies a weird space where it's like if you watch that stuff, the people who watch that stuff are almost like snobby about it because this match didn't come close to that. But the people who don't watch that stuff, a lot of them thought this match was, like, excessive to a fault. Um, one thing I will say is that a lot of that going through glass and, and barbed wire and cutting yourself, it's like, okay, it's kind of nasty and gross, but it's kind of a lot of superficial stuff. Whereas this match, like, I could, they did, like, four near falls on the bare boards underneath the mat, and I was like, okay, this is stupid. You're, like, killing yourself on this. Like, the Phoenix splash from Omega that he missed on the on he, had, the board. he had a nasty knot over his eye, then. Right above his eye, and it was immediately bright red. I was like, oh, my God, you imbecile. And that wasn't even the finish! Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, you are, you've already killed yourself, and you've had your super violent match. For the love of God, take it easy on yourself. Uh, like, that was stuff where I was like, all right, because I, I, I listened to the Observer Radio segment on it, and it was quite bizarre. Dave was, was doing quite a lot of hand-wringing about it. But that was the spot where I was like, all right, you, ha- you are officially really hurting yourself for, for at this point, very little gain. Hmm. Uh, but I, I did think it was interesting that, like, with all the with all the CCW footage and the countdown and, and Mox in his promo straight up saying, he's like, this is going to be, you know, the most violent match this country's ever seen in decades. Like, I, I think they kind of had to do this after after all that builds because I was like, yeah. they couldn't go out there and just have a WWE hardcore match. <laughs> with trash can spots and a Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
at a table. Yeah, I mean, I really liked the match, despite that. Um, uh, yeah, the the barbed wire stuff in particular, where, I mean, I guess it wasn't, you know, gimmicked or anything, because they were fucking bleeding out their backs as soon as it was scraped across them. Uh, but as you say, yeah, I mean, wrestlers can go out and take a certain amount of punishment, you know, kicks and kicks in the head and slams and so on. So ultimately, what is getting a scratch with a bit of barbed wire, you know? Um, but as I said, yeah, there's 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 far more fucking heinous shit out there if you're interested in that style, which I personally am not. Um, but yeah, having having seen your your Sabu Abyss barbed wire massacres and your your matches of that style, this was kind of of that level I would say albeit a better performed one than Abyss did yeah of course yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and I loved I loved a lot of spots not only in terms of the usage of the weapons but like the psychology behind them of the submission and Moxie having to crawl through the glass to get to the rope and stuff like that very very clever um, <clears throat> and the spot off the stage into the barbed wire and ha- people having to come help them out of it made it seem like, again, a more important spot. Um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, because it's not my body, I didn't have so much of a problem with them killing themselves for my enjoyment. Um, but, you know, yeah. I always make the point, to be to be consistent, I always make the point that, you know, at its core, good wrestling should be like a magic trick. It should be the illusion of people killing themselves and not really killing themselves, which a lot of the match was, but yeah, as you say, at the end, I don't really need to see someone do a phoenix splash onto their head, onto wood. <laughs> Ideally, I wouldn't see that again. Um, you know, you, you can fake mm. it, lads. It's fake. It's wrestling. It's been, been a lot of debate online, but I don't think enough of it has focused on how extremely boring this match is. Ah! Oh my god! I don't know what was worse, this or his dark materials. Oh <laughs> my god! I'm shocked. I, I no, I just um, I, I just had no interest in this whatsoever. Found it incredibly boring and garbage, hardcore, whatever. I didn't care at all. And was so long, it went on forever. Yeah, 30, I, 38 minutes, I, I, forty-five. I thought it was too long, and that actually was my big my criticism as well. Was like they started off by doing loads of gross shit and getting the bar, and like they early on they had the visual of of Kenny sweeping Moxley's back with the barbed wire, and he was covered in blood. And then, like the middle of it, they just kind of didn't really do enough. Um, and like they were doing that stuff with the chains, and that didn't really click with anyone and it was just yeah. and then towards the end of the match they started doing mad shit again and then it picked up but I was like alright let's just snippy snip uh, 20 minutes out of the middle of that and just have an even wilder uh, you know remaining 20 minutes I think they could have caught a lot of the waffle there in the middle yeah I definitely think the chains in particular were something that probably hurt like hell but didn't look that impressive like I thought he was going to start like fucking whipping him with the chain or something that would have a, you know, a visual pop to it, like the barbed wire, you know, barbed wire brush. Okay, I, I don't want anyone to brush my back with one, but probably doesn't hurt that bad in the long run. And But, ha- like, looks like really visceral and 
you know, graphic. But like yeah. doing the suplex onto a big pile of chains, that probably hurts like a motherfucker. Like you do some damage getting dropped on them, but it doesn't have that same visual intensity as those other spots do. Um. So yeah, I kind of get the point there. Um. Yeah. I mean. That being said, I don't ever want to see anything like fucking... Who was it with the meat hooks, was it? Uh, Zandig. Zandig. Uh, I don't want to ever see any shit like that ever again. No, no, of course not, no. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, a good a good hardcore match is one that that looks grotesque, but, you know, you don't really have to be that grotesque. I didn't, uh, I didn't think it was that boring. I, I thought it was... I thought it was quite entertaining, but then I was also um, I was also delirious watching this after a full day of work. So maybe I was. Oh no, it was on Saturday. When did I watch it? So- Sunday morning. Oh, maybe I was just tired. I don't know, but I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, AEW. I was surprised, though. One last point that uh, they didn't keep the world title for the main event. I thought that would be something that they would, as a company, do. Like, we're always going to have to have... The world title will always be the main event because it's the most important thing. And then here on, like, their first pay-per-view since the TV started, world title is only the semi-main. Mm. I think it's traditional that it wasn't always the world title that finished the show. It's a bit of a throwback. Yeah, I mean, and again, to to be fair, they definitely kind of did did a good job of properly promoting it and properly it coming off like a double main event you know rather than yeah, yeah, yeah Omega yeah. was the true main event didn't really feel, feel that way sure that's uh, full gear alrighty uh, yeah. NXT by the way quickly was um, was quite good this week um, I won't stay on it too much because NXT NXT was a show that had its own direction and its own storylines, and it's just got caught up in this Survivor Series whirlwind, and so it's just become part of the bigger deal. So it definitely feels more skippable, because I don't really give a, give a fuck about Survivor Series. But um, I'll tell you, the women stuff... <laughs> the women stuff! The the women's division NXT is still like the best thing about it. And, uh, and also, Matt Riddle is so good. Um, watching him, watching him go, he's like he's like the best guy in in NXT, and I I can see him getting very high up in the the WWE um, you know atmosphere if he doesn't fuck it up himself by smoking a load of ganj or something as he is one to do. But I can see him like main event in a WrestleMania something. He's he's that good. Uh, do we have? A NWA power review. Uh, it, it was good. Great. Anyone good on it? Uh, Cole Cabana won the, the North American title. Ooh. Off of James Stone. There you go. That was good. That was fun. Uh, I started. I started trying to catch up on power. Enjoying it, but I am not. I am not. Uh, I'm still quite a bit behind. But yeah, it's, it's, I like it. The promos, are good. the promos are good enough that I can kind of make my peace with the other things about it that I, I kind of have a little issue with. Great. Right. We call that an episode? Yes, that's all we have.
Alrighty, uh, so that was uh, this week's edition, or this week's first edition of the Chair Shop Podcast, because we might be back on Sunday there uh, uh, with more. But yeah, we'll have dynamite thoughts and all that other stuff in the, uh, uh, in the interim. So, uh, if you want to follow on Twitter, it's at Chair Shop Pod. If you want to follow us individually, it's the Barry Lad, Paul Griffin, CSP, and Griff Tannen. And uh, we'll be back very soon to talk more. So, until then, it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. It's goodbye, Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye.